welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What is happening? What's up, dudes? How are we doing, Fantasy Champions? Welcome to this Thursday afternoon, night, whenever you're listening to this. Maybe it's Saturday. I don't know. But welcome on in. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing, Rick? Welcome, welcome. How are you doing, Rick? How are you doing, boss? I'm doing all right. Just okay? Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to talk about it. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. It's been a tough couple of days. Um, we got a lot to get to in this episode. We're we're gonna hope to calm your anxiety about certain political events with a with a wonderful podcast episode. So uh, we'll jump into that right away. But before we do that, check out our website at thefantasychampions.com. Follow us on Twitter at the FF Champs on Instagram at the Fantasy Champions. You can like like us at Facebook.com forward slash the Fantasy Champions. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platform, be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Uh, also subscribe. Subscribing is the best way to support the podcast, whether it's on YouTube or any of the podcasting platforms. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube as well. Click the bell for notifications because subscribing on there is not enough. And then like and comment down below. Remember, three more subs till 200. Um, all you got to do is hit subscribe. Just do it. So it's it's real easy. Um, right before we came on the show, my wife texted me because me and Rick were yelling at each other. Uh, Rick's trying to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Please comment down below uh, your rating out of five of Buffalo Wild Wings wings because I would rate it a two. Bro, why are you hating so much? It's buy one get one free. That's what oh oh see that that's what that's what makes it even more gross. They're just giving wings away now. And I'll take it all. I'll take all of it. Delete all the wings. Uh so today we are going to talk about our most I didn't even tell you what we're gonna talk about at the beginning. Uh but my name is Morgan Colby, Rick Lemon as well. We just jumped right in. Um, but uh, we're talking about our most accurate or our biggest hits this year. So yeah. that should be interesting. Um, last episode, we talked about our biggest misses. We talked about the guys that we didn't get right. So on this episode, we're going to talk about the guys that we did get right. Um, so it should yeah. be fun, interesting uh, program. So let's jump in. Let's get started. Yeah. So we we talked about um, these two guys on the previous per, uh, per previous show um, because we were talking about our misses at quarterback. We didn't have many. No, we're pretty good at quarterback. Um, I think Aaron Jones. Uh, was it Aaron Rodgers? Was the Aaron only Rodgers miss at the quarterback one that or sleeper <laughs> Daniel Jones? But I don't even know if that counts. Sleepers are yeah. like hit or miss anyway. Uh, but our our two guys. Uh, we'll start off with the first one, Joshua Allen. Um, and Josh Allen, uh, we we were kind of talking about him in the beginning of the season. I think it was like halfway through the offseason doing analysis and stuff. I noticed um, a couple of things about him. He uh, likes to rush the football. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that uh, he's not a he's not terrible when it comes to accumulating fantasy points, if you will. 
Um, the biggest concern for me coming into the season with Josh Allen and the biggest concern that um, I had to make my take possibly not happen was uh, his accuracy. Um, and that was not a problem. He had a very, very, very high accuracy total. Uh, apparently, it is better than any of the accuracy ratings that uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning have had over the course of their entire careers, which is uh, something that I have a hard time believing, but it's true. But anyway. Yeah, I, he had a fantastic year this year. Is this a I Zoom think. pause, or were you looking at something? Because there was a was long it? air of dead silence there. I was, was I was reading something. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. All right. But, all right. Uh, I'll finish my point. I was waiting for you to respond to that, but you were you were doing. It. But anyway, so um, my second concern with Josh Allen and his possible non-breakout, if uh, if I was to get it wrong, was the fact that uh, we assumed that the Buffalo Bills were going to run the football a lot this year, which was also why uh, we drove or Rick more specifically drove the Stefan Diggs not going to be great this year train. Um, and they didn't do any of that. They actually threw the ball a lot more than anticipated. Um, and Josh Allen had a fantastic season. I told Rick in one episode, I wish I had the episode name and I wish I had the clip, but we talked about how he could be, he's not going, he's not a Patrick Mahomes like talent the year Mahomes threw 55 touchdowns, but. Um, I talked about how he could be the guy that's getting taken in the ninth or 10th round in, in redraft leagues um, that you can flip into, you know, being the QB one overall in fantasy. And if you're counting 17 weeks, uh, he was the QB one in all of fantasy. So um, Josh Allen had a big breakout this year. Um, I'm curious if it continues going into the future. He's not going to be QB one next year. I'm shocked that he even did it this year, to be honest with you. But um, he was a breakout that we nailed. Yeah, I don't think he'll be QB one, but I mean, he might be like do a this top every five year. quarterback every, every year. year at this point. Okay, where, um, go. Oh, um, I was going to ask you where you where you plan on ranking him next year. Like, where do you feel like he's going to very be? early on? He's probably QB three or four. Okay, yes, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, we we thought he could be a breakout, and even with me not being crazy about. Digs, I was still really high on Josh Allen because I thought it was still an upgrade to the offense and everything. And it wasn't that I, like with the, my problem with Diggs was not really his talent or anything. It was just like I knew Josh Allen would throw to John Brown. I knew he'd still throw to Cole Beasley, and those things still happened. What I underestimated was how big of a jump Josh Allen took. Yeah, um, from last year to this year because it was insane. You mentioned the accuracy. Go, mm -hmm. He went from 58%. And this was what I was like. Yeah. Well, I was kind of like, wow, that's crazy. He went from 58% completion percentage to 69 in one year an 11% increase in completion percentage. And he threw the ball over a hundred times more than he did last year. The funny thing like, too, the funny insane. thing too, is that coming into last year, a lot of people were um, the fantasy community more particularly were talking about how John Brown was a very good, like almost elite wide receiver. Um, I heard a lot of people uh, talking about that around the fantasy community and how he should be considered in that conversation and all kinds of stuff. Not necessarily as like a fantasy weapon, but as like in, in football. I don't know if you heard that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. This is what it looks like when you get a real alpha wide receiver for a talented quarterback. Um, and and Stefan Diggs is one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. So I think that also had a major effect on, on Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. 
No, for sure. I mean, John Brown, he, he was still at, like, he was on pace for like, if he played a full 16, he would have had like a hundred targets still. So mm-hmm. like he, he was still involved in the offense, but Diggs really just became the alpha. Uh, like you said, but Josh Allen also went from 20 to 37 touchdown passes. And it's not like his rushing totals went down either. They pretty much stayed the same, mm-hmm. which is a big surprise for me because if you would have told me he would have had a major increase in passing touchdowns, I would have been like, well, he probably just, they ran the ball less, but he really didn't. He still had eight rushing touchdowns as well to go with his 37 passing. So absolutely insane season for Josh Allen. And Mm -hmm. I was there with you thinking he could be a breakout. That's obviously why we called it, but I didn't think he'd be this good. I'll admit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It it was kind of like top five quarterback. It was funny because I felt like, like last year, right. uh, One of the guys that ended up breaking out, I didn't predict this, but it was Dak Prescott. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, was that the 2019 season? Yeah. Uh, it was Dak Prescott, and I picked him up on my fantasy team. And, and towards the end of the season, he started to get a tougher schedule, and I didn't really trust him um, on my fantasy team at that point. It, and I had to start him because I wasn't able to deal him. But I was trying all season to deal him, and then I was forced to start him in the playoffs, and he had a bad game, and I got burned. Um, and I had that f- same feeling in like the pit of my stomach about Josh Allen. And so I wasn't making the same mistake twice, and I traded him away for Justin Herbert. Huh. And uh, Josh Allen went off against some tough matchups. And so he was actually really good. Sometimes a player is good and it's not just matchups. But the early season matchups looked really good for Josh Allen. So I kind of kind of came off him a little bit. But this one we nailed. Uh, the second guy we have is Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray, um, who uh, we, he was kind of a sixth round pick. And, and we were talking about before the season started, a lot of people were comparing – Kyler to Dak. I mean, um, to Baker. Baker, Baker. I meant Baker Mayfield. Um, he was, they were comparing Kyler Murray to Baker Mayfield and that, you know, this, the off season is very similar, right? Um, the Cardinals are coming off a season where they didn't win a lot of games, but their quarterback, you know, uh, had a decent campaign, um, enough to think that they're going to take the next leap. And then you add a couple of talented offensive pieces. And all of a sudden you're talking about the quarterback being in a top six round potential quarterback. And, you know, you haven't seen him done it before. It's a little bit, you know, a little bit scary, but there was more concerns for Baker's breakout than there were for Kyler Murray's breakout. And I laid them out in the off season. So if you really want to go back and listen to all of them, you can do that. But it was basically the argument that the, the, the Browns don't throw the football a lot. They still don't throw the football a lot. And so expecting Baker Mayfield to have really good fantasy seasons is kind of naive. Whereas Kyler Murray's offense is, is at a 60 to 70 play pace. And he also rushes the football a significant amount. Like this year, he was QB2 through 17 weeks, and he only had 3,971 passing yards. That's like a, that's like a Cam Newton season where he only throws 3,500 passing yards Back in the day, Cam Newton, uh, but still okay. gets in the top three of fantasy uh, quarterback production. So um, the big thing for for Kyler that we noticed in the offseason was the fact that he could rush the football. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, Kyler, uh, that that was a big thing with uh, him. I, I feel like I was more on the Kyler train than I was the Josh Allen. Like, I feel like Josh yeah. Allen was more your guy. Now, we both like both guys, but if we had to pick, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like Kyler I just, was kind of guy. We were both, we both thought Kyler Murray would break out. It was just hesitancy in drafting because he was a sixth round pick. 
Yeah, it was a but lot I still of tried to draft him because I, <laughs> I was all for Kyler this year. Yeah. And I'm looking at my projections right now, and I literally got them identical almost in mm-hmm. a lot of categories. I was like less than 100 yards passing off, same amount of touchdown passes. Yeah. Um, I actually projected right. one more interception, I think. But wow. the thing that I even was a little undersold on was his rushing touchdowns. That was a big one. I didn't think he'd rush for 11, 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, and for even 800 yards. Well, it wasn't like either was one good. of their running backs could get it into the end zone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately for Kenyon Drake. Um, but yeah, no, uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, unfortunately for Kenyon Drake, that didn't happen. But for Kyler, it was great because mm-hmm. he had 11 rushing touchdowns. But yeah, no, I, 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 I figured he would have a good rushing season. I think that's what kind of capped him off, though, for being the QB1. But we talked about Kyler yeah. being a potential QB1 in the offseason because of his rushing floor, because of his passing. Um, they added DeAndre Hawkins. Like it was kind of all coming together. And I don't know why I had the, that same energy for Kyler, or I didn't have the same energy I did for Kyler for Josh Allen. Because if you look at their situations, it was pretty much the same. Like another year in the yeah. offense, they add a big right. time receiver, another year older. He can rush. Like it was kind of all the things I liked about Kyler, Josh Allen had. Um, but no, I mean, at, at, these two guys were guys that we really nailed on this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we have to move on, but I just saw something that I thought was kind of interesting. Pressured completion percentage for Josh Allen ranked 31 in the NFL. That's not yeah. good. <laughs> uh, did they add anybody to the offensive line this year? I don't even know. I'm not sure. I don't I don't know. I don't yeah. remember. But uh, anyway, he had a really great season. Um, I'm sorry, that was for Kyler Murray. I thought I was looking at Josh Allen's numbers. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think for him, it's safe with the rushing. He didn't do great passing the football. I mean, he had a good season passing the football, but it wasn't like a lead. Nothing crazy, yeah. Yeah, uh, 26 touchdowns, 3,971 yards. That's, just, that's like that. That's like early 2000s good quarterback season numbers nowadays. But uh, anyway, so let's move on to the running back position really quick, and we're going to start off with Rojo. Um, Ronald Jones, we pegged as a sleeper. So this was a guy that we didn't necessarily think was going to break out into the top 12, but was going to end up a pretty decent play. Um, I believe he got hurt. Am I wrong on that? Hit COVID as well, I think. Uh, yeah. So he missed two games, um, overall on the season, but, um, he ended as the RB 16 overall, which was yeah. ahead of Chris Carson, but Chris Carson only played 12 games. So, um, but if you add in his points per game average to his total, um, based on what he would do this year, uh, I think it was right around, let's see, 24, uh, somewhere around RB11, RB10. So, um, and he was a guy that uh, we felt was somebody who was going to kind of take, there's so many, see, when we first pegged him as a sleeper, there was uh, no running backs in that offense. And then yep. they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, and we still thought Ronald Jones was going to be a sleeper, and we liked Ronald Jones a lot if you go back and listen. And then right before the season, they signed Leonard Fournette. And so I don't know what our thoughts were at the time. I don't really remember. Um, but he did hold up a lot of the production that we thought he was going to get even with Leonard Fournette, which was kind of surprising. It was like they really – like at the beginning of the season when Bruce said that uh, Ronald Jones was the guy – me and Rick almost didn't believe him. 
And uh, he still he still was the guy. But I mean, ending the season as the RB sixteen and possibly maybe if you get a full season out of him as like the RB fourteen or thirteen. I think if a guy like Leonard Fournette leaves this offseason, he's got a two year contract or one. I think it's just a one year deal. If he leaves, and and Ronald Jones is still the starting running back for them, I don't know what key, their plan is with Keyshawn Vaughn. But uh, if Ronald Jones gets a full opportunity next year to uh, to get the full workload, um, yeah. I think I think he could be an RB one. Um, but yeah, he he was a guy that we kind of hit on. Yeah, no, exactly. Ronald Jones was somebody who I I was really another guy I was really on board all year, and then when they signed Fournette, I kind of faded him a little bit. Um, yeah, but he was still really really good even with Fournette there, and it just makes me wish. Fournette wasn't there, you know, because I think if Fournette didn't play all year, he probably would have been a top 10 running back, especially with the weak year that the running backs had. I mean, he might have even snuck in like the top seven without Fournette there. So, um, man, I I just really wish he wasn't there. But, yeah, Ronald Jones, we were high on. One of the reasons I really liked Ronald Jones was because with um, the Buccaneers offense, I thought was going to be more um, prolific than it was previously, and it was. But also typically – um, in a lot of goal line situations, Brady will QB sneak or he'll hand it off. Like yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of situations where they use rushing touchdowns. Like it happens a lot and, and not just in new England, but obviously in Tampa now as well, because Brady also likes to play action at the goal line. And it's something that we've seen in new England a lot of times. So mm-hmm. I figured Ronald Jones would have a decent amount of rushing touchdowns this year. Um, but he, he even surprised me, um, especially when Fournette went there, how good he still was and how much they used him. Hmm. So I, I, I'm excited for next year and see how good he can really be. Yeah, I'm agree. I'm agreed upon on that one. Like I said, he was a sleeper, so we had a lot more questions about him um, than normal to, to not yep. peg him as a breakout. But he was, he was a guy that we hit on. And then um, I think I was driving this train because uh, Nick – Rick is the Nick Chubb truther. He is, he's gonna carry the torch for Nick Chubb when he's forty-two years old and trying to be Frank Gore. Maybe, uh, but anyway. So Hunt was somebody that we felt he was getting drafted what in the seventh round, I think, and he was somebody that we felt could be a good complementary back to Nick Chubb. Um, would get involved in the passing game and the running game. And, and I was, I was punching in numbers in the off season and I really wanted uh, a situation where it was like Alvin Kamara and uh, what is it? Mark Ingram. And that's kind of what it ended up being almost because they both ended as the Nick Chubb was the RB nine and 12 games played. And Kareem hunt was the RB 10, uh, with 16 games played, they both had 199 fantasy points. So Chubb would have obviously been the top five running back, but Hunt's probably was still would have finished somewhere because his numbers per game didn't change from when Chubb was out to when Chubb was in, which I thought was yeah. really weird. Um, it just didn't change at all. Now he didn't get a lot of opportunity, which was a little bit scary as a Kareem Hunt manager <laughs> for a majority of the season. Yeah, he had a 48 percent opportunity I, I, share, but yeah. But anyway, we, we felt he could be that guy um, coming in. He had 1,000 total yards all-purpose. I think it was 1,100 all-purpose yards, 11 total touchdowns on the year, 0.88 fantasy points per opportunity, and he came down with over 250 opportunities. 
Um, so he had a really good season um, overall. But, I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to continue into the future. But as a seventh-round pick, if you got the RB10 or 11 or 12, I mean, that's a that's – a, you nailed it. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know my love for Nick Chubb, but I did take Kareem Hunt in a lot of leagues. I think I took him in our list on our league as well. Right. Um, it was kind of a roller coaster starting him, <laughs> at, especially at the end of the year, uh, uh, when, when Nick Chubb came back because he wasn't getting into an opportunity, but we were right. We nailed, we nailed it when, with Kareem Hunt. Mm. Um, cause even with Chubb there, he was still putting up solid numbers. I thought he'd be better without Chubb, but he was really the same. Um, but he was still really good. I, I, I sent a tweet out uh, in August saying, like, why are people fading Kareem Hunt? Uh, and I think he has the potential. He's, he's an insane handcuff, and he has with the potential to be a top 10 running back, and that's that's exactly what happened with him. So we got this one right. Um, we weren't great at running back this year or as good as we wanted to be. So. I don't like to draft players based on just – like a player getting injured, like like if I say, oh, I'm going to draft Tony Pollard in the late rounds because right, I hope right. that Zeke gets injured or whatever. But Hunt's different because Hunt he's is a little bit game. right. That exactly. Hunt was very very different, and so we didn't tell you to draft him based on uh, Nick Chubb getting injured, even though that as a Kareem Hunt manager kind of was beneficial to you when Chubb got hurt, but um, he probably was a hella handcuffed too. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. If you had I wish I had the opportunity to draft Chubb, right? And mm-hmm. I passed him up to draft, what was it, Kenyon Drake? I remember I screamed at you. I screamed at you at our draft like, party. Like, I can't believe you just passed on Nick Chubb. The funny this thing is, like is, is that I was, I was thinking about it. I passed on Nick Chubb, and I was like, okay, was it really a bust? Because if, if I didn't draft Nick Chubb, I would have had Kareem, uh, would have had Kenyon Drake, who I ended up with, who still was the RB14. Um and he still was pretty decent, and I would have had him playing when Chubb was not. But then I also thought about it on the other side, that I also drafted Kareem Hunt. So had exactly. I drafted Nick Chubb there, I would have had the double whammy, uh, and I would have been able, I would have been fine at running back, at least for the time being, until he got back. I would have actually rather have that situation, but I didn't know I was going to get Kareem Hunt at the time. So it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty. But anyway, let's move on to the wide receiver yeah, position. Yeah, but I mean, I felt like it was 2020 at the time, but that's just me. I say it again. I felt like it was 2020 at the time, but that's just me. I was, you know, I'm crazy about Nick Chubb. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the wide receiver position really quickly. A couple of guys we sure. had Calvin Ridley um, as a breakout last year. Um, we loved Calvin Ridley coming into the season. I we both called him Chris Godwin of the 2020 season. Uh, yep, it was. And he came in. I think it was the first five, six weeks of the season. He was just freaking crazy good. I was, I was very, very happy because I drafted him in many, many leagues. Um, he had thirty in PPR. He had thirty-three fantasy points, twenty-nine fantasy points, sixteen, and then he got five total targets against the Green Bay Packers and put up a zero burger because he was hurt for like ninety percent of the game. And he had 21, yep. 18, 17 before he pooped himself and missed more time against the Carolina Panthers. And he probably would have gone off in that game. I mean, he was a, he was a wide receiver one or better for a majority of the season. Um, so if you drafted him, congratulations. It was an easy one. <laughs> yeah, no, we told you to draft Calvin Ridley. A lot of people were fading him. I didn't really get it because he's a talented player. 
He was good yeah. last year. He's getting a year older. It's a breakout age. The targets was a big thing as well. They lost Austin Hooper. They lost Muhammad Sanu for a mm-hmm. full year. Um, there was targets to go around in that offense in a very high-powered throwing offense. So all, all the boxes were checked for Calvin Ridley, and he, he produced. He was great. Uh, why don't you tell him about the next guy? Yeah, and then we also had um, A.J. Brown as a breakout. He was your guy more. Um, I still liked A.J. Brown a lot, don't get me wrong. I think, I again, I drafted him in our listener league. Um, and with A.J. Brown, man, it, it's sort of the same thing. That dude's a beast. It's mm. just talent. Um, there was a stat that last year when Ryan Tannehill took over, wasn't he the wide receiver three, I think, yeah. last season? Mm-hmm. After Ryan Tannehill took over, something in that range. Um so that alone should have told you how good he could have been this year because that was him as a rookie. <laughs> like, And this is year two. He still missed two games, and he still finished, um, I believe, as the wide receiver 11, I want to say. Um, I'm looking at week 17, though. So if you go to week 16, he was the – it was actually lower, the wide receiver 14. But he still missed two games. Um, we lost Rick for a second. I'll start talking about A.J. Brown while we try to get Rick back on call here. Um, Yeah, so one of the interesting things I noticed about A.J. Brown as well is he had 106 total targets um, on the season. Last year, I think he had 83. Um, And the fact that he had 106 targets only is absolutely asinine. It's crazy. Yeah. I think I think when it comes to, you know, the production that he had as a wide receiver over the course of what just 14 weeks, uh it turned into it turned into a crazy good season for him production-wise. He ended the season with 215, I think it's 212 fantasy points total on the year just through 14 games. You add two extra games into that total and he ends up as like a top 5 wide receiver right around Justin Jefferson or DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so it is very, very interesting to see, um, exactly what happened this season with AJ Brown. Um, but we're trying to get Rick back on call here. We'll see if he comes back in, but, um, if you drafted AJ Brown, uh, you absolutely nailed it. Um, I think production wise, what was his fantasy point per target? It was 2.28, which is number seven in the whole league. It was absolutely insane. So um, if you drafted A.J. Brown, you had a really, really, really productive campaign. It looks like we got Rick back on the pod. Were you, were you, I don't even know where you cut out, Rick, but I finished my thoughts on A.J. Brown. So I was just talking about um, – yeah, okay. That's fine. I was just talking about how good A.J. Brown is. Uh, we, <laughs> uh, we got tight ends here. Uh, we, yeah. we predicted – Here's a guy that I love, and we we both loved this guy all year. And it's TJ Hawkinson as a breakout. Yeah, um, he was everything that we thought he was going to be. Um, year one, I don't have anything in front of me because, like I said, my Wi-Fi came out. But I believe he finished as the tight end four. I'll look it up for you. Um, which is which is, thank you. Hawk <laughs> finished as the tight end four. Um, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. See, I know I know my TJ Hawkinson staff. But yeah, TJ Hawkinson was great. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were down on him, but look, he's a second-year player with a top ten pick. He's only going to get better from here as well. I think he's going to be in that Kittle, Kelsey range once Kelsey kind of fades out and gets old. Uh, I think Hawkinson's going to kind of move into there. I think he's only 23, 24. Right. So he's a, he's a really good player. 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see next year how that quarterback situation plans out because we might not get the same production oh, yeah. out of right. him. But he's a really good player and had a good year. Uh, it'll, it'll also be interesting to see who ends up in um, in Detroit. Uh, there, uh, I, I, Eric Benemy has interviewed with everybody. <laughs> if he Ooh. goes to Detroit, uh, I don't. I mean, it depends on who they get at quarterback, but I think that would be fantastic news for TJ Hawkinson, um, because I think he could he yeah. could have a monster season next year. But yeah, Hawk, I, you know how much I love that would, Hawk. That would be huge. Yeah. You I know, don't think he's going to go to Detroit, though. To be you honest. know how much I love the Hawk, and how pumped I am. Oh, yeah. that TJ Hawkinson had a good season. He is so frustrating to watch. It, it's like a. You, you draft him and you, you have him on your fantasy team all year and you watch him in games mm-hmm. and you watch his production and you're like, oh, man, I wish I could get rid of this guy. <laughs> Look at he's the tight end yeah. for. And it's like, oh, so I got one of the best tight ends in the league. Uh, but he had 16 fantasy points in the first game of the season and then he was like tight end. He was a tight end too for a lot of weeks in a row, but it was all he was always getting like nine or ten fantasy points a week. Um so yeah. and it, I I think the 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 constant like nine ten eleven fantasy points a week it's not great fantasy point numbers like you're not getting Kelsey numbers you're not getting Tanyan numbers you know what I mean or Kittle numbers but mm-hmm. you're getting consistency that you don't get out of the tight end position all that often and so I think we he's a tight end four I mean obviously we pegged it um, but I hope that he gets better as this you know years go along what is the second year him uh yeah so yeah that was, this was the second year okay um the next guy on our going list in, going into his the next guy on our list is uh, and the final guy is austin hoop there it is love you austin hoop there it is yeah you know Hoop had his moments at the end of the year um when some guys went out and i think he's getting more comfortable in that offense but this was i felt like an easy one at the time and we both nailed it. He was like a seventh, eighth round pick, which yeah. is just way too high. Mm. There was just basing it off last year's production in Atlanta, right. where he got a lot of targets. And in Cleveland, in a heavy run first system, he just wasn't going to get as much targets. David Njoku was there. Harrison Bryant was there. Odell was there for half the season. Um, Jarvis Landry. Like they, they have so, so many mouths to feed that Hooper just was not going to get a lot of targets. Um, but again, he's, he looks like he's getting better as the year goes yeah. on. So that's good for him. But he, uh, he finished, I don't know where he, that's because everyone got COVID. Top 10, I yeah, exactly. yeah, I think, I think part play. like Austin Hooper finished in the top 10. And I think that a lot of people would consider that as a not bust. Um, but if you did draft him, you weren't, you weren't playing him every single week. No, and, and he, it was more. He what what, he, what was he like, like a, a top five round pick? No, he was like a seventh, I believe. He was like a seventh. Okay, pick. yeah, but it just wasn't like a. It wasn't a like you could draft T.J. Hawkinson in a, a late. Yeah, uh, but you could draft yeah. T.J. Hawkinson or, even, or pick up Robert Tanyan. You know what I mean, or even Logan Thomas, yeah. who had 141. Right, and it, it, like there was a lot of options yeah, at the was, at the tight end option. position than than TG. I mean, than and um, Austin Hooper, and you took him in the you know the sixth seventh round as the fifth tight end off the board. Like that's a lot. So um, that is the reason why he's a bust and why we pegged him as a bust. Um, 
the biggest thing for me wasn't necessarily that the um, I hate to use the phrase had a lot of mouths to feed, but the uh, the the Browns had a lot of people to get the ball, and uh, yeah, and and it wasn't just that for me. It was also the fact that it, that Kevin Stefanski offenses are notorious for not throwing the football a lot. So it was not just that, but it was also the fact that they had multiple tight ends and the fact that Kevin Stefanski doesn't throw the football a lot. So that usually means that there's going to be less production for guys. And unless Austin Hooper was a, was elite in terms of efficiency, um, mm. then that's what it's going to be. Hooper's more known, like a lot of people talk about his pa- He's an average pass catcher. Um, and he's he's a much better blocker, and I think that's why they brought him in, not necessarily to be an offensive weapon downfield, which he can be, but to right. to block for them. Um, it's an expensive blocking piece, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Better, more more of a pro player, good good signing for the wise, but fantasy when we're talking about statistics and stuff, not exactly not great. the greatest player. Yeah. So um, that does it for this list of um, our most accurate predictions, our, our biggest hits in the 2021, uh, 2020 fantasy football season. We were going to do a mock draft today. I don't know if we talked about that on the last show. I don't believe we mm-hmm. did. Um, but uh, there's a lot of uh, things in flux with sleeper and mock drafting right now for some reason. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to wait a little bit. We're definitely going to do a mock draft in the next couple months, though. Uh, the next, like, either January or February. We want to do an early mock draft because we're psychopaths. Then we can <laughs> reference it in August and see where things have gone. Because so I can always go back in time. Yeah, true. Exactly. We can do that. But anyway... That'll do it for this episode of the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, be sure to like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Check out our website, thefantasychampions.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube, and follow us on Twitter at the FF Champs.